Today I want to talk to you about renewing your mind. And um, we think sometimes, because we've always been told we've got to renew our mind, we've got to renew our mind. But I want to talk to you about the physical end of it and the spiritual end of it and bring them together. Because we don't sometimes think about what we're thinking about. And sometimes in the mid-thought, you can train yourself mid-thought to change your mind. Did you know that? Like if you start to feel upset at something, you can change your mind about it right then. You don't have to wait. And you can train your mind so much that you have control over your thoughts. Renewing our mind is going to cut off access to thoughts which cause us damage. Do you know physically you can damage yourself just by your thoughts? You cannot think the way you used to think if you're looking for different results. I mean, that's the definition of insanity, right? You keep doing the same thing you're doing and expecting different results. The same thing with thinking. You can't keep thinking what you're thinking and expect to get the same results. And just as your body needs to exercise, your brain needs to exercise. And that's sometimes tough at in an advanced age, we don't want to exercise our brains. You know, it's hard to read sometimes when your eyes are bad. Sometimes my eyes, they, they get so gritty, I feel like I want to rip them out. But I've got some eye drops now, so I, I solved the problem so I don't have to rip them out, which is probably the least preferable activity. But, you know, crossword puzzles, games, things like knitting, things that... Keep your mind going because you're going to see that the, the brain makes connections. When you do things, you're helping your brain to, to make connections. The area of our brain where our imagination operates is also where our dreams and visions operate. So it's important that we keep our brains clean. Our imaginations can run away with us. We need to fill them not with wrong thoughts, but with the right thoughts. Fill them with the word. And we have to build our thoughts and not live in delusion or false belief. Your mind can mislead you. Your mind can tell you things that aren't true. So what we have to understand is our mind is here, our body is here, and in the middle of that is our emotions. So we've got our mind, which is our thoughts, our emotions is how we feel, and then our body is the actions. And I'm going to repeat that several times in here so you see that it's really the emotions that we have to get a grip on because our emotions can lead us. I mean, look at today's society. They're all led by emotions, how they feel about things. Our emotions connect between the mind and the body. Our emotions weigh in on what happens to us. For example, if somebody says something offensive to us, our emotions may kick in immediately, right? I mean, we've all had that happen. Somebody offends us, and right away our emotions are, we're upset, we're angry. But we may react by raging at them, and instead of obeying God, that we just tone it back for a minute, and then we have control of ourselves, and we can answer rightly. I'm not ever saying be a doormat. Because if somebody says something offensive, sometimes you need to address it and say, look, you know, that's just not right, and let me show you why. But that, that, that kind of a stance is when you're really secure in yourself, and you could do that, and you could do it properly. 
And sometimes the response if somebody says something offensive is just to let it roll off your back like, like ducks to water. Just let it roll off your back and just move on with your day and not be offended. But we may listen to our emotions. We may begin to hold a grudge. So our emotions are the weighing station. And sometimes we have to tell our emotions, just take a back seat right now because that's not even true and what you're thinking is not even right. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We've got to cast those things out of our mind before they grow. Everything we think about, good or bad, takes up physical space in our brains. And we don't think of it. You think of a thought as not having any weight. Thoughts have weights to them. They have actual, there's chemical, in, there's chemical things that go on in our brains when we think. And it's really, God puts such a fascinating, our bodies are so fascinating when you start to really study, study them. But every thought has substance. And we could tell this by Hebrews 11.1. 1, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance with our faith is our thoughts combined with our emotions creating faith. When we obey Philippians 4, our thoughts will be healthy, and that helps our brain. I mean, have you ever thought, and, and we can look at this political situation, and we could really get depressed every single day. But I had to make a decision early on, I think it was earlier this year, that it doesn't matter what happens to us. And eventually we may be arrested. I'm not trying to be like the drama queen. But um, we have to look at the reality of what's going on. We can be arrested for our faith. Very, that's very real. It's not something that can't happen. So very early on when I realized that this could be a possibility, I said, you know what, every day is going to be a gift to me. And I choose that I'm going to enjoy every day of my life. If I go into Joanne Fabrics, which always used to make me happy, now it makes me like super happy. If I can go into a store and I can shop, I can go get groceries, it makes me happy. And I've made that choice that every day that I am able, I am going to be happy. We made that choice to open up Wednesdays. I mean, look around, okay? Churches would close their doors or saying, you know, we can't do Sunday night because we just have a, a, a smattering of people. Or we can't, well, we'll do Wednesday morning, but we won't do Wednesday night. Now is not the time to back off. Now is the time to go forward. So we, we've made these decisions with, with total joy in our heart knowing that whatever time we have left here, and nobody's got promise of tomorrow anyways. You know, God says don't worry about tomorrow. Obviously, today has enough to worry about. But see, it's a thought process because you can drag yourself down with what's going on. But we have to keep in mind what the Word says, and this is in Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Well, you're always safe to think about Jesus. You're, it's always a safe, safe thing to think about Jesus. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, if you ever get in that spot where you start to get a little tense because of the situation, think about Jesus. Think about that this life is only temporary. A hundred years from now, we'll be up in heaven praising the Lord. Be together. There's not going. We're not going to have a sin nature to worry about. There's going to be no sickness, no tears. Think about Jesus. Think about the things that are just. Think about the things that are true. We have work to do here, but we could do it with joy and confidence. Amen. But this is where we can hurt our imaginations by filling them with this, constantly thinking about our past mistakes. We kind of dealt with that when we dealt with the dead branches. Constantly worrying about your children and your grandchildren. We tend to do that a lot. Worrying about their salvation, worrying about their happiness, worrying about their health. Worry, I I think that would be number one, is more than worrying about anything else. Because we say, well, we've lived our lives and now we looked at what our kids are going to have to go through. So we're worrying about them. Well, we have to cast those down as vain imaginations. I start to worry about my daughter or my son, and I've got to say, God, they're in your hands, and I thank you that they're in their hands. And I'm going to just go and enjoy the rest of my day. And, Lord, put me in the path of somebody else's son or daughter that I can be a good witness to. So we're constantly, we could fill our mind, though, that we're so worried about our kids we can't sleep at night, and it's bad. Constantly obsessing over getting old, you know, your health. Are we going to be able to take care of ourselves? What are we going to do if we can't? What are we going to do if we're constantly worrying about something that may not even ever happen? Number four, grieving, constant grieving over a departed loved one, a ruined childhood, a bad marriage. And I'm not talking about a a good grief because there's times when you do need to grieve. There's a grief process. But if you're grieving, like years and years and years after, then it's something bad because it's overtaken your mind. All of these things dump toxic chemicals into your brain and it affects your physical body. And sometimes we don't think about the connection between our thoughts and our physical body. But if you're constantly grieving, if you're constantly bitter and angry, that that electromagnetic, the, the substance that you're putting in your brain is affecting your body. An old house that is demolished doesn't exist anymore. And we can see it more in Massachusetts than here. Well, we do see houses being demolished if they're old, like, you know, built in the 70s. And um, they get demolished. We shop a lot down at Kroger's and Crossroads. And there used to be this cute little house across the street. And I said, boy, it reminds us of our house. I just love our our little house. I love it. And um, I saw that they started to demolish the house, and I kind of felt sad that they were demolishing that house. And I said, somebody used to live there in that house, and they loved that house. But that house doesn't exist anymore. The land where it sat is now graded. I think they're, I I don't know what they're going to do with it. They're either going to put up a shopping plaza or more more apartments. I don't know. 
But there's no physical evidence that house was ever there. But for the people that live there, they might pass by there and think that, think about it and say, that's where my house was. That's where it was. And sometimes we see mental pictures of things the way they used to be, but they don't exist anymore. And this is the way our memories do is that, you know, yesterday is truly gone. It's gone. And sometimes we get mired in the past and we get mired at looking at those pictures. But when Jesus came into your life, he demolished the works of the devil. But the memories, habit patterns may still operate in your mind and you still might be living them out unconsciously. Not, not, not sometimes consciously, but, but this is why we have, have teaching like this. So you can zero in and go, I've been doing that for years and didn't even know what it was. It's not right to repress or ignore hurtful things, but past hurts have to be validated, healed, or they'll lurk in your minds, and they keep showing up. You know, that was, that was where that happened. That was where this happened. That was where, well, it didn't happen. It's all gone now. Yesterday's gone. But God wants us to deal with our past, renew our mind, and then move on. So these are a few of the things we need to examine to see where our thoughts may originate and how we can clean them up. We need to do a little bit of house cleaning in our brains. So the first thing we need to clean up is our mindsets or mindset or how we think. We may, as far back as childhood, where we just think the way we do because we've always thought like that. We may think that people from New England are stubborn and terrible people. And we got to clean up our mind and think now that you've met somebody from New England, think differently about them. But you may think, you may have these stubborn areas that were ingrained from childhood, and you need to examine them and say, Lord, is this, still, is this godly? And if it's not, then you need to go in the process of demolishing that. Bloodline curses, we don't talk about them too often. Jesus destroyed their power in your life, but is fear keeping them alive? I know a family where breast cancer ran down the male and the female line. And so people were in that family line were very afraid of getting breast cancer. Now, after you get saved, of course, Jesus has demolished that. But if you've still got that fear there, see, fear keeps opening up the door. You know, my mommy died, my daddy died from that, and... You know, I'm going to die from that because that's just the way it is. Well, Jesus demolished. He gave you a new bloodline. But fear keeps that activated. Okay, we also have to look at old unresolved issues. Bitter conflicts that blind our ability to see. Or are you secretly ashamed of something you did in the past, never told anybody, and you just kind of carry it around? And it always, those things, don't they just like lurk and kind of pick at you? When your guard is down, when you're emotionally upset, or when you're tired or, or feeling a little depressed, all of a sudden these things just come up. They're larger than life sometimes. Habit patterns. Do you have habits that reinforce mental bondage? Have you been trained to react to circumstances with guilt, sadness, or do you withdraw from others? For example, when a problem arises anywhere, do you immediately assume the guilt even though you weren't remotely involved? I used to have such a, a, a guilty conscience 
that any time something bad happened anywhere, I would feel like I was responsible somehow. And how, where did that come from? It came from childhood. It came from being having it totally reinforced. It was just a habit in my mind. I got set free from it. I don't feel guilty every time something happens. But you can do that. So your habit is a compulsive need. And acquired behavior regularly followed through until it becomes almost involuntary. We walk. We don't even have to think about it. But then when you get a stroke or something, then you have to relearn these things. You know, remember shifting a car? If you had a, if you shifted a car, after at first it was like, oh, grind the gears, do this, do that. But after a while, you just got used to doing. You didn't even stop thinking about it. Why? Because it came, a, it became a habit. So sometimes. With certain words, phrases, or tones, it triggers fear, unhappiness, and anger. Why? Because it's a habit. It's something that, from the beginning, we've been programmed. So where do you run in times of trouble? Everybody today, safe places are the big thing. So where's your safe place? If it's an attitude of feeling sorry for yourself, then you'll go there in time of trouble. If it's to soothe yourself with food or sleeping, you'll go there. If you lash out at others and to relieve frustration, you'll go there. If you have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit, you'll go there. So it isn't always negative. It's sometimes we have a good habit, too. So the first time, sign of trouble, it's like, God, please, just show me clearly what this is. I want to be offended. I want to lash out. I want to run away. I want to do something that I used to do. But I can't do that anymore because I'm cutting off access. So God will give you new ways to cope with situations. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to play the victim anymore. You can stand out and trust God because you're breaking off those old habit patterns. In Proverbs 26:11, it says, As the dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. And if you have dogs, you know, they, they always, uh, cats, they, they just, they throw up and they, they like walk away and go, well, that was that felt, felt better now. But a dog doesn't. They're, they're like, oh, new food. So, you know, we don't want that to be us when we have problems. We don't want to keep returning back to those old mindsets, those old habits, those things that keep us in bondage. If we want a better life, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to see the thoughts that are hurting us, and then we have to get rid of them. We may be so stubborn that nobody can help us, not even God. And see, sometimes we're just set in our ways. This is what I told you last week. You can teach an old dog new tricks. But if you've heard that enough times, you're going to say, no, I'm too old to change. Well, you know what that is? That's just being stubborn. It's just being stubborn. That says, I don't want to change. I like things the way they are. And I'm not going to change. King Saul was rejected by God because he believed lies about David, and he refused to let them go. And this is what God said about it in 1 Samuel 15:23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry and teraphim. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. 
And you think of stubbornness as idolatry because why? Because we are promoting our will above God's will, our way above God's way. Matthew Henry said this, Obedience was the law of innocency, but sacrifice is a feeble attempt to take away that which obedience would have prevented. If he had just obeyed God, it would have prevented that whole mess. God is more glorified and self more denied by obedience than sacrifice. It is much easier to bring a bull or a lamb to be burnt on the altar than to bring every high thought into obedience to God and make our will subject to his will. It's easier to bring in a bigger tithe check. It's easier to do more at the church. It's easier sometimes to do that than to take a wrong mindset and say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. It's better to obey than it is to make a sacrifice. But some people don't want us to want to let go of their old way of thinking because it's comfortable. Sometimes we don't like to step out into the unknown, but we're all being asked in this day and age to step out in the unknown because everything is unstable. Everything that we thought was stable is crumbling before our very eyes. We thought this. Who would ever thought that our country would be in such a mess a year ago? I mean, well, I guess a year ago we were finally waking up to the fact that we were in trouble. But who would have ever thought that the foundations are crumbling almost daily? God commands us to do, to let go of those things. If we want to please God, we need to let go. It says in Ephesians 4:22-27 that you put off the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth in his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not, and do not let the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Everything, every action, good or bad, starts with a thought. Everyone. Have you ever thought of something that wasn't true? I think we all can say that we thought something that wasn't true. We can all get worked up over something that just isn't true, and we let our imaginations run wild. We get mad at our spouse because we think something's not true. We get mad at our kids because we, we just think something that's not true, but we just let our emotions get involved. Our emotions start feeding that thought, and then before you know it, well, I'm not going to talk to them anymore. <laughs> that church, I'm leaving that church. Well, and, and it's over something that wasn't even true in the first place. Thoughts are the foundation of our lives and we can change our lives simply by changing how we think. If you have a bad life, change how you think. Easy. Well, it's easy. What is it? Simple or easy? It's easier said than done. But it's it's simple to do, but not easy to do, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We know we have to know the truth in order to recognize the lie. When they are studying counterfeit bills, when when people are training to to recognize a counterfeit bill. What, do you know what they study? They don't study counterfeit. They study the real thing. So they know every detail on that bill. They know the paper. They know the feel. They know the ink. 
They know every spot on it. And that's just like we study the Word of God. We don't study false stuff. But we get so ingrained, we get the Word of God so much inside of us that we can recognize when something false comes our way. We can recognize when a a thought comes into our head and go, "Uh, no, that's not you. Uh, You know, God doesn't call us. He doesn't say, you know, what are you going to do in the future? Remember, that was one thought that we exposed a couple of weeks ago. You know, what are you going to do in the future? Well, that's not God's thought because God knows what he's going to do. So when you hear those things, you can immediately reject it and say, no, my God holds the future. He knows the future. So he doesn't have to harass me with that. The serpent interjected a thought into Eve's mind that God wanted to hold something back from her. His intent was to question Eve with an innocent-sounding question so he could misrepresent what God had said because he was trying to discredit God's character. That's all the devil does is he's trying to discredit God to make you doubt God. Well, you know, it happened for her, but it's not going to happen for me because I was so bad or I did this, so God's not going to be able to bless me. The wording of the question, did God say, put some doubt into Eve's mind, and then Eve tried to clarify it. Of course, she added to it and said, God said, do not touch it. He never said that at all. So the devil took advantage of Eve and suggested she was not in danger of dying. By saying that, he was subtly calling God a liar. And he'll call God a liar to you, and he'll do it subtly because if he just came right out and said God's a liar then you could immediately reject it. But he wraps it up in all this counterfeit stuff. But see, if you've studied the real and you know God's character, you can immediately spot that and go, no, that's not right. I reject it. So your emotions don't get the better part of you by thinking, well, God doesn't care about me. Where does that come from? That's not God. But then, see, your emotions get involved sometimes. And they go, well, God just doesn't, he doesn't love me the way he loves other people. He just doesn't bless me the way he blesses other people. And that's when you have to tell your emotions, no, that's not true, because the word says that he loves everybody. God loves everybody. So we need to stand firm. We need to not have doubt. Wavering and wavering, wavering faith and wavering resolutions give great advantage to the tempter. So we need to stand firm and renew our mind. The more we renew our mind to the real, the more we can reject the counterfeit. Eve was already unsure of God's word because she was like, eh, and he said, no. He goes, God's trying to withhold from you. So she let her emotions You know, well, why is God trying to withhold it? That looks good. So the emotions are pushing and saying, no, go ahead, do it. You can do it. God doesn't care. God doesn't care about you. So the devil resorted to an outright character assassination by accusing God to be a liar. See, if Eve had studied the real, she would have recognized the counterfeit. Matthew Henry said, God's word cannot be reproached unless it is first misrepresented. Satan teaches man first to doubt, then to deny. So when you start doubting God, you're on a bad path. The devil makes them skeptics first, and so by degree makes them atheists. And this is what happens to our young people. My daughter was full on fire teaching creationism, 
And then she started to read about other things. And it started step by step pulling her, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know what she was reading or anything because teenagers don't aren't always forthcoming with what they're doing. But step by step, and I said, that's so true. You make them skeptics first, then by degree you make them atheists. Studying the Bible, renewing your mind, will keep you from failing and falling. Don't depend on devotionals. I see so many people, oh, you know, I just read devotionals. Don't read devotionals. Those are good, but they're not everything you need. You need to read the Bible. Read your Bible first and then read a devotional. You've got to read your Bible. The Bible, if you believe this, the Bible is the living word of God. God speaks to us through the Bible. Devotionals are kind of like a they're, they're speaking, and, and you can receive good things from a devotional. I'm not against them. But I'm saying don't use that as your whole source of food. Because sometimes later on, these people that are writing devotionals, sometimes they get off like a degree, and you don't even recognize it because you're not studying the real. You're looking at a counterfeit. So we're going to look at the anatomy of a thought. It's pretty interesting, and I'm not a scientist. So I'm going to try to break it down. And if you have interest in this, go to DL. L-E-A-F.com, drleaf.com. If you've ever, has anybody ever heard of Caroline Leaf? Well, except for you. Yeah, I know you have. But she is a, um, she's a Christian who has, for about 30 years, she studied the brain. She's a neurophysicist, very intelligent woman. And um, I got a hold of her book, Who Switched Off My Brain?, She's since revised it. She revised the, um, I think she revised the whole thing. And I, I don't even think she does this book anymore, but it's, I think she calls it Switching on Our Brains Now. But um, she gives a, a real thought, she gives a real illustration of what happens with our brains. And I'm going to have you, at the end, I'm going to give you some handouts so you can look at what's in her book. But um, every behavior starts with a thought. Remember how the devil came to Eve? He came with a thought, and then he appealed to her emotions that God was holding out on them. Every thought has a corresponding electrochemical reaction in your brain. So this is where we're going to get a little bit technical, and I've tried to make it as simple as we can. So thoughts stimulate emotions, which then form an attitude, and then your behavior. The symphony of electrochemical reactions in the body affects the way we think and feel physically. Therefore, toxic negative thoughts produce what? Toxic emotions, which produce toxic attitudes, which results in toxic behavior. And we don't have to look that far. We can just look into the classroom with CRT. We can look at with... The, the gay and lesbian and transgender ideology that they're trying to put on our children. And you could see that they're giving them toxic thoughts, which are going to create toxic attitudes, which eventually are going to create toxic behavior. When you feel happy, your brain releases neurotransmitters called endorphins or feel good. It's like when you eat chocolate. 
protests, <laughs> when you exercise, when you have just feel good about something, and those endorphins just flood your system. If you're feeling sad, afraid, or angry, your brain releases different chemicals into your system. See, our brains are releasing chemicals all the time. What was it? What did it say in Hebrews 11:1? 1? Now faith is a substance. See, with faith, when we release faith, we're releasing a substance into our our very bodies. Research shows that our thought life contributes quite a bit to disease and illnesses. Studies link more chronic lifestyle diseases to an epidemic of toxic emotions. A lot of arthritis are due to bitterness. This is not to condemn anybody or, you know, if you're suffering with something chronic, it doesn't. It, I'm not trying to finger point at anybody because there are other factors. But our minds have a whole lot to do with it, not just by the way we think, but by what that thinking is releasing into our entire body. God said renew your mind for a purpose because he knew the way the brain operated that we're going to, if we continue to think bad and harmful thoughts, we're releasing those, constantly flushing those chemicals through our body. Well, something's going to give. It's like if you're eating something that's got a lot of stuff in it, something eventually is going to give in your body. You know, drug addicts, they're injecting poison in them. So you look at a drug addict and they look, they're, they're all worn out, they're, their hair is falling out, their teeth are falling out. That, think of that. If you've got a toxic thought, what it's doing to the inside of you. Emotions and their biological components establish the critical link between your mind and your body. Your emotions where is, is really the area that we have to check because your emotions will tell you things, tell you how to think. What does a thought look like in your brain? It's a tree with a trunk and many branches. And this is what we have here is one of those little magic trees. The more branches they are, the more intelligent and accessible the thought will be. These trees are made up of cells called neurons. You have about 100 million trees in your brain, and each one is capable of growing up to 70,000 branches, enough to store 3 million years worth of information. So we're not dumb, people. We just don't use our brains to the fullest capacity by choice. At each end of the branches are neurons. They are dendrites, which are highly complex structures which receive and integrate information coming in through your five senses. The information is translated into electrical impulses and transported across chemical gaps called synopsis between the neurons and form interconnected neural circuits. This is all going on right now as you're sitting here, as I'm up here. This is all going on in your brain. Isn't God good? You think about the complex thing that God has put together in his mind, and then all God says is renew your mind. And right now our brains are doing things that we can't. We can't see it. We can't feel it. But our brains are going, poo, 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 making those little trees, making those little things up. The brain builds a double memory of the content of every thought, every thought. 
one on each side of the brain. The left brain processes big picture to detail, while the right brain processes detail to the big picture. This means both sides of the brain take part in every activity. For example, when you multiply 2 times 2 equals 4, that is how the left brain side of the brain sees it, while the right side sees it as 4 equals 2 groups of 2. Isn't that interesting? And then we've got people that are more developed, right brain, left brain, one's creative and one's more informational. But the two sides are designed, they were supposed to work together. I have a friend of mine whose daughter, has she doesn't have that connection in the brain, so both of her halves aren't connected. And um, I thought it's the corpus colostrum, I think, is the one that goes in between them, but she doesn't have that. And they said to my friend, all these things that Emily would never be able to do. And Emily has just keeps checking off things, like she would never stand in front of people, she would never read in front of... Well, she did that when she was about 10 years old when she participated in Christmas play. She did that. We checked that off. She's in a group home because they can't, they can't keep her at home. She's better off there. But um, she's, she excelled far more than what they said through the power of God and the power of believing what God can do. But the more you think, the more you understand, because you're building those connections, the more focused and aware your thinking is, the more the two halves of the brain work together and the stronger the memory is. So if you don't, if you just don't pay attention to what you're being said, you're, you're not going to remember it. If you pay slight attention to the content of your thoughts, your thinking will have less synergy and the memory you build in your trees will be weak and they'll be pruned off while you sleep. So sometimes if you, you don't pay attention too much, then it's just going to go away because you're going to sleep. Well, they've got, sleep is so rejuvenating. Do you know while you're sleeping, your body is healing itself? I mean, that is just so cool. So you're sleeping and you've got these little vacuum cleaner guys they're called gills. They're running around and they're vacuuming all the waste material and all the messes and all the things in your body. That's why it's very important to get good sleep and not, un and not interrupted sleep. The gill cells are important because without them, the brain won't function properly. They provide the support and resources and backup, including nourishment and protecting your neurons so they can do all the hard work in receiving, analyzing, processing, and sorting your information. These cells also dispose of waste material generated by neural think functioning. In effect, the glial cells sort out your thinking, but they cannot do a good job if you are not thinking clearly. So you have to give them something to work with. Toxic thoughts, emotions, and chemicals negative, negatively affect the free flow free flow of these important electrochemical processes in your brain. See, my brain is saying science, science. You don't know how to do science. <laughs> when things aren't flowing properly, the toxic waste builds up and diminishes the quality of stored memory. While toxic thoughts do not prevent you from building memory, the memory you build with a toxic thought is harmful. And it's distorted. Emotions such as hate, which go hand in hand with bitterness, resentment, and anger, demand more and more space physically in your brain as well as in your thought life, causing more thorns to grow on the trees in your mind. Like weeds, they grow in abundance, crowding everything out. When hate is allowed, 
all that space, it integrates and eventually takes control of the trees of the mind and and wickedly affects all the remaining thoughts and emotions. Have you ever seen somebody consumed with bitterness? It's because their brain, that thought has just, that thought overtakes your mind. It overtakes. And, and you just sit and think about that for a minute. When you see the people that are out there that are just hateful people, it's why it's because their mind has been overtaken by a thought. A simple thought that in the beginning was just a tiny thought. But see, it grows in your brain, takes up more space in your brain. Pretty soon you can't get those people to stop talking about whatever they're being driven to hate. And you literally cannot stop thinking about it. When it gets to that point, you literally, at that point, all you need is deliverance. You really need somebody, somebody's help if you can't stop thought, thinking about a thought. The process of controlling your thoughts or renewing your mind involves creating conditions under which the neural cells, dendrites, and glial cells can do their work in perfect harmony. When they are able to do their jobs well, you build healthy memory in place of toxic, distorted memory. So you can build a memory. Like if you, um, if you know anything, Wanda, you know something a little bit about computers. You know about computers. You used to work on them, didn't you? And you can write over a program. You can overwrite. You know, if you get sometimes a question says, you know, do you want to overwrite this? And I'll get this a lot with the file. Do You know, you're saving it, but you're saving it to a place that's already taken. Do you want to overwrite it? And you could say yes or no if you want to create a new file from there. But see, we can overwrite. Let's say you've got a toxic memory in your head. And now your computer is saying, do you want to overwrite this memory? So we click yes. We want to overwrite it. We want to put it in perspective. What we need our emotions to do is we need to speak to our emotions and put that thought into perspective. And we overwrite that bad. And then we start to discharge all that toxic waste in our brains as we sleep because now we're not going to sleep hating the world. We're not going to sleep in bitterness hating that person. We're not going to sleep angry at our spouses or our children. We're going to sleep and our sleep is sweet. Remember when we talked about in the beginning, it says we'll have peace. Great will be our peace if we keep our mind in order so we can go to sleep in peace. What happens when you let your son you let the sun go down on your wrath? All that toxicity from those thoughts start to grow. And it starts to affect you physically. When you aren't paying serious attention to information that your brain receives, 24 to 72 hours after you receive it, the brain discharges it. So all right, somebody offended you today, not going to think about it. 24 to 72 hours, it's, it's a dim memory. You don't even think. Conversely, when you pay serious attention to incoming information, your brain passes the information to the trees of your mind. You're then able to analyze and assess whether this information is helpful or harmful and store it accordingly. If it's a good, healthy information, then you store it there. If it's bad, then we trash it. 
A similar process happens when you focus your mind by meditating on specific thoughts or information. Meditate on the word of God. You'll never go wrong. God will show you if you're offended or whatever. He'll, he'll help you. How to? Sometimes we think we have to be angry or, or we won't be able to deal with it. God will show you how to deal with things without being a lunatic and without having rage. God will show you. Just ask him. Say, Lord, I, I really want to punch this person. And God will say, well, we're not into punching today. Let's, um, you know, let's just try this instead. So God can help you. But it's not a good idea to let your thoughts wander unchecked through your mind as the bad thoughts have just as much of a chance as hanging around as a good thought. Somebody will say something and you just reject it and say, no, that's not true. And then it's still there. 24 to 72 hours. So it's still got an opportunity to root in your mind. You're like, well, yeah, Clarence didn't say hi to me this morning. I think he's mad at me. Hmm. Yeah, Barbara was right. He is mad at me. And then that thought, see see how easy it is to root that thing? But if you just ignore it and cast it off and say, no, I, I think he was just busy. And it's gone. So we have our emotions are really the way station on what we're going to do with our thoughts. Our mind is the battleground with ongoing conflict between toxic thoughts and good thoughts, thoughts that will serve you mentally and physically, and thoughts that will deplete your body and mind of health. This battleground is located in the part of your memory networks. Scientific evidence supports the benefit of actively engaging in the battle. You've got to engage. You have got to be aware of your thoughts. And you have got to take the bad ones and you've got to get rid of them because they will hurt you if they grow. They grow faster. It's like a weed. They'll grow faster. They'll do more harm. And all you have to do is say, no, I'm choosing not to think that way. And after a while, you get pretty good at just casting them out because you do it so much. You just recognize and go, oh, that's you. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about the future here, devil, because God holds my future. I don't have to worry if I get sick because God holds my future. I don't have to worry about if we get arrested because God holds my future. I mean, what are we going to do? Some of the things that we're worried about either aren't going to happen, or if they do happen, worrying about them, how does, how is it going to help us? It's not going to help us have a plan of action. No, the plan of action is with God thinking about what God says. Because I've already thought about it. If we have to run out in the woods, I'm just going to give myself up. <laughs> now, if I was at, listen, if I was in New England, I might run out in the woods. I'm a little more familiar. But here, there's just too many weird snakes and stuff like that. So I'm just going to, uh, there's going to be no fight here. Positive affirmation replaces bad memories with supportive ones. You literally build a new network of new memories over the old. Positive affirmation is the beginning of changing your thought processes to detox your brain. Speaking scriptures aloud to yourself helps your thought process because your brain responds to your voice it's not just hearing it it's you speaking it your brain responds to your voice more than anything else your voice singing scriptures singing the songs that's why it's so important praise and worship is so important because we start out with the 
What are we starting out with? We're starting out with a song of affirmation. We believe in the cross. We believe in the cleansing blood. We believe in Calvary. So every time you sing that song, you're settling it in your mind. You're, you're putting it, you're, you're creating a strong memory in your mind. Emotions are signals involved in the process of translating information into your belief system. You need to control them because they have a giant impact on your body and mind. We see what's happening now with uh, people just going by their emotions. They're just acting things out. Emotional expression controls the flow of certain chemicals into your body. When you suppress emotions, you destabilize and disturb the process of building healthy emotions. I'm not saying suppress the memory. I'm saying get rid of it. And some of you, if you've had things from childhood that you still are lurking back there, then you need to be healed of it. You need to have it validated that, yes, it happened and it was bad. It was a bad thing that happened to you. And then you need to walk through a healing process. But stuffing it down, ignoring it, that's not what I'm saying to do. I'm saying we need to deal with it. But whenever your thoughts go wrong, then your emotions are in charge. God wants the Holy Spirit in charge. And to overcome that, learn to rule your emotions with wisdom and rational thinking. Emotional perceptions are not always reliable because they can misinterpret what's happening. They mix fact and truth together. Their chemical nature, when allowed to run unchecked, allows them to rule the brain. Emotional perceptions are good, though. They're designed to promote alertness. Like if we sense that there's something wrong, the flight or the flight or stay, what is, whatever the syndrome is, the flight or fly. If you hear something that's scary, you should run. Amen? I mean, that's, that makes sense. So you should act and not just sit passively. Emotional perceptions are designed to create alertness, but they're not designed to rule. Take them captive, tame them, control them. Take the opportunity to evaluate them thoroughly before believing them and acting on them. If not, you might end up having destructive emotions rule, setting the scene for irrational behavior, bad decisions, and harmful reactions, both in your, in your mind and your body. So that's why God says to renew your mind. And I'm going to hand out, this is Second um, Peter 1, 5 through 8. I just love this because it's exercise. It says, I'll, I'll read it really quick. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According to his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Okay, he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him, renewing our minds, getting things set in our minds. That's how he's given it to us. We have to do something through the knowledge of him. Whereby are given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, 
to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and in godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make they make the view that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a responsibility when we renew our mind. And this says adding, I I broke it down because I thought it was just so cool, that scripture. Adding diligence to the divine promises. On one side it says exercise, and then the other side it says to develop. So I went through that whole thing. Exercise your faith to develop virtue. So that's that whole thing. I'm going to hand it out. And then on this side is the, it shows you the little trees in your brains. And on this side, it shows you what a good memory looks like versus a bad memory. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And how a thought grows in the biochemical reaction. So it shows you, well, it just shows you some pretty interesting, I thought it was interesting. And the other handout that I have are are weapons of our warfare. I am, I am a new creature in Christ. And then it's got the scripture, a good soldier of Christ. So these are all these things that you can memorize and counter for the things that you are, because you are every single one of these. And then on the other side, it's what his blood did for us. Those are scriptures on what the blood has done for us. It was it was intercessor's book that we, I, we did a long time ago at our other church. So I'm going to hand those out. I just want to pray. I'm done. Um, I just want to pray. And um, we're going to pray that that information stays in your brain. Amen. Renewing your mind daily is very important. So, Father, we just thank you for this information. Father, help us to become aware of thoughts that don't belong in our head. Father, we are taking authority now over mind-binding spirit over everything that seeks to get us off track, seeks to get us offended, seeks to get us to be angry or sad, Father. And we just thank you. We have confidence in you, Lord, that you're doing a good work in us. Father, you're doing a good work in this church. Father, you're strengthening us. Lord, we can we know who holds tomorrow. So we can have a, a good day today. We can have our joy of the Lord. Father, and we're just thanking you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, you know, I don't know about you, but as a Holy Ghost preacher, teacher, there's times I get frustrated. You ever get frustrated? There's times I get, I don't know, uncomfortable, uncomfortable with with things and uh but you know what? We have to learn one thing. If it wasn't for the Lord, none of us would make it. If it wasn't for His grace and His love. And there's an old song that uh, went over in my heart as Pat was ministering this earlier. And 
And uh, you, you know the words to it. Oh, sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul. Sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. My rest is complete when I sit at His feet. Sweet Spirit, sweep over. Let's just shut our eyes and get all of those problems that we face and just cast it up on the Lord right now. Oh, sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul, sweet spirit. Sweep over my soul. My rest is complete while I sit at his feet, sweet spirit. Sweep over my soul. Father, we just lift up every individual here this morning. And God, we just thank you that your word is truth. It prevails. God, we just declare peace. We declare peace in their minds, in their spirits. We declare peace in their marriages. We declare peace in their relationship with others. We just declare your peace that passes all understanding right now. It's your peace that brings victory. And God, we just thank you for the peace of God. Your peace that passes all understanding that keeps our heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And God, we just give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Someone used to go off the air and said, Think good thoughts. (laughs) And we just need to think good thoughts. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Glad y'all came. Those that can come back tonight, we'll be here tonight. If you're not, well, we'll be live streaming it anyway. So praise God. Oh, turn to somebody and say, Jesus is Lord. And let's leave as we go saying, I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live. I am blessed when I wake up in the morning or lay my head to rest. I am blessed. I am blessed.